morning. With the, the room being slightly bigger, it takes it feels like it takes much longer to walk up here. <laughs> um, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this all-age service for Low Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter. Our service is led by our minister, Katrina. Um, we will also hear the voices of Emma leading the Lord's Prayer, um, and Benjamin, Rory, and hopefully Wendy um, reading scripture. In a moment, Morag will light our candle. In family news, Ken's funeral will be held on Tuesday the 25th of April at 1.30pm at Clydebank or Dolnotter Crematorium. This will be followed by refreshments here in the terrace bar of the hotel. Our thoughts are continue to be with Barbara and the rest of the family. The first of our Zoom groups to continue our discernment will be held on Monday evening. If you've registered for that group, you should have received your invitation for that already. Um, there's still plenty of time to register for the other groups. The deadline for contributions to the May Key is next Sunday. Please send any contributions to Heather. Our worship next week will be a service of favourite poems and psalms. There's still time to send any contributions to Katrina for this service. Now it's time for Morag to light our candle. Christ is risen, alleluia. As we gather for worship, let us celebrate the rising of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ light this day. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia.
And so let us come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Alleluia, alleluia. Give thanks to the risen Lord. We thank you, God of Easter, for the beauty of springtime. As trees burst into leaf, birds make their nests, and signs of new life are all around us. We thank you, God of new life, for the story of Jesus, whose death and resurrection we remember and celebrate at this time. We thank you, God of love, for the mystery of the story, for the fun of celebration, and for your never-ending love for us and for all creation. Alleluia, alleluia. Give thanks to the risen Lord. We thank you, God of new beginnings, that when we mess up, you are quick to forgive us. Help us to forgive ourselves. We thank you, God of restored relationships, that you give us each other to share life. Help us to forgive others as we have been forgiven. We thank you, God of community, for the gift of this church, where we can find welcome and acceptance as we try to follow Jesus. Alleluia, alleluia, give thanks to the risen Lord. We thank you, God, maker of all creation, for all that brings us joy. We thank you, Jesus, teacher and friend, for all we can learn from you. We thank you, spirit of wisdom, for the faith that brings us hope. Alleluia, alleluia. Give thanks to the risen Lord. Amen. We pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
So for us in the Western Church, this is the second Sunday of Easter, or Low Sunday. But in the Eastern Church, it is Easter Sunday. So we get one more chance at Easter eggs before we put them away till next year. Well, that's my excuse anyway. So this is just a bit of fun, this quiz. If you're looking for super spiritual things in it, look away now because they ain't going to be there. So this quiz, quiz was researched online and I used several websites in an attempt to verify the answers, but I have no clue whether some of them are correct or not. But we do have prizes. And if you're online and you wave at me, I may, I may be able to get a prize to you afterwards if you can get your hand up before those on site. So question one, approximately how many Easter eggs are sold each year in the UK. So call out your guesses. 30 million. 30 million, good start, but not enough. 85 million. 85 million. Oh, that's very close, a bit high, but very close. Anybody else want to have a guess? 75 million? 75 too low. Jenny, you're calling out, but you're muted, so I have no idea what you're saying. Uh, 70 million. 70 million too low. One more guess, and then we'll, I'll give a prize to the closest. 80 million. 80, spot on. Yay. Well, there we go. Easter egg for the 80 million guess. 80 million <laughs> <laughs> Now, the problem I have with that is another website told me there are 500 million Cadbury's cream eggs sold. Who knows? Okay. When... And where was the first chocolate Easter egg in the UK made? When, roughly, but where was it, was it made? Birmingham. Sorry? Birmingham. No, it wasn't Birmingham, and, and it wasn't Bourneville either. <laughs> but good guess. That, was, that one was two years later. So Cadbury's were two years after the first one. But you're on the right track with Cadbury's. No, it wasn't York, it wasn't Terry's. <laughs> but you're still on the right track. Anybody online wants to have a guess? So we've had Terry's, we've had Cadbury's. Who else was an early Quaker chocolate maker? Well, that almost rhymes, doesn't it? Woohoo! Early Quaker chocolate. Fries. Fries, well done, Paul. It was fries. Do you know where they were? Bristol. They were in Bristol. And it actually was 10 years before our church was formed, so a prize for Paul. Uh, it's not an Easter egg, but I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a caterpillar. Well, hey, you had caterpillars on your e-cards. I'm afraid the prizes are going downhill a bit from now, but there are still prizes. How far back in history, to the nearest century, have we got records of painted Easter eggs? So these will be Hen's eggs or duck's eggs are painted. Roughly how far back in history do you think that goes? 1600s. 1600s, good guess, Katrina, but too late. Yeah, it was earlier than that. Yeah. Feel free to unmute and call out. I can... 600. 600s, too early. Sorry, Jenny. 12th century. 12th century, a bit early, but close. <laughs> One more guess. 1400s. 1400s is a bit late. So the 12th century is the 1100s. So somewhere between the 1100s and the 1400s. 
Anybody want to have a guess? Thirteen hundreds? Nope. Okay. Um, I think Jenny was the closest. So Jenny, I'm going to have to post to you some Percy pigs. Um, I don't think I have. I don't know whether I have your lander. I think I have your lander. Um, Katrina, I don't give them to the children, please. Okay. Um, does somebody want to come and get them? Come on then, Arthur. You can't wait to get the Percy pigs. So. Brilliant. Enjoy. Thank you, Jenny. That was kind of you. Okay. Um, Next question. In Switzerland, which bird delivers the Easter eggs? I'll give you a clue. It's not a stork. And it's not a duck. It is a bird that comes in the spring into northern Europe. So it, there is a logic to it. Is it a goose? It's not a goose. Um, if I told you I have some... Um, M&S eggs, and there was sometimes another person here. What kind of bird lays its... Alistair said swallow. Swallow. It wasn't a swallow, Alistair. Sorry, I didn't catch you. What bird lays its eggs in other birds' nests? Cuckoo. Cuckoo, yes. Right. Katrina, have a cream egg. Because they're the cuckoo eggs in my bucket of eggs. Okay, we're getting there. Still thinking about delivering eggs. In which European country are the eggs delivered by flying bells? The bells from the churches apparently grab the eggs, fly out in the night and deliver the eggs. Who knew? Greece. Greece, good guess, but no. Romania. Romania, too far east. It's, it's a Western European country, but good guess, all the same. Yep. France. Who said France? You're right. I will have to get, I'll have to get an egg to you. Um, I don't quite know. I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, I will post you the Colin the Caterpillars. So um, I'll have to remember to post those to you. Thank you. Well done, Benjamin. Okay, what was the heaviest ever chocolate Easter egg made? It was made in Italy, and it's measured in tons, metric tons, <laughs> to be precise. Um, so any guesses as the heaviest chocolate Easter egg ever made in tons? Two, higher, okay. lower, <laughs> higher, <laughs> seven is very close, 7.2, so who said seven? You. Who would you like to give another egg to? To Joan, okay. <laughs> I can see this is going to be a long service this morning because I've got quite a long way to go through this, but never mind. The most expensive Fabergé egg what was the value of that and i'm only going to take two guesses on this one because otherwise we'll never get through the rest of the service how many million pounds was the most expensive fabergé eggs valued at Six. so 500 there and 76. so 500 is actually closer it was 24 <laughs> million however you've got an egg so is it all right if i give an egg to do you want to come and get it from me otherwise i'll, I'll take forever Okay, we're nearly there. What is the most popular way to cook hen's eggs in... Thanks. In Britain, what is the most popular way to cook hen's eggs? Fried. Fried? Nope. Scrambled. Yep, scrambled. Who are you going to give an egg to, <laughs> Katrina? Uh, Rory. He's already got some. Okay, Rory, do you want to come and collect it? Um, what colour were the first painted Easter eggs, hen's eggs, duck eggs, whatever, painted, and why? Blue. 
So the painted eggs were painted with one solid colour, the first ones, the earliest ones, going way back to the 1200s. What colour were they painted and why? Pink is close. A bit darker. Red. Who said red? Barbara. Well done, Barbara. Have an Easter egg. They were painted red to symbolise Jesus' blood. And the last question, so this is going to check whether you were listening last week. This is the closest we have to a holy question. What do we think that eggs can symbolise? Was anybody listening last week? Go for it, Paul. You can have the stone. So Paul gets the last egg. Yep, that's brilliant. So new life, new hope, and the stone that was rolled away. Brilliant. Okay, we're going to move into a slightly more serious phase now, and Benjamin is going to read our first passage of scripture for us. So thank you very much, Benjamin. Uh, John, verses 20, chapter 24 to 30. Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. He said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them. Jesus came th through the locked doors, stood among, among them and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, my master, my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you, you've seen with your own eyes. Even better, blessing are in store for those who believe without seeing. Thomas, who almost certainly had a twin, is one of my favourite characters in the Gospels. I always have, and I think most scholars always do, assume that the twin is male. And most probably that, in fact, Thomas and his twin were identical. 
But what if his twin was actually a sister? Perhaps he could be my twin brother. He could be your twin brother. He could be the alter ego who has the courage to speak out the words that, that I might think, but we're too embarrassed, ashamed or frightened to, stay, to say. What if Thomas speaks for me, or for you, or for us? Have you ever missed out on something really special, really important? Have you heard your friends talking excitedly about what happened and being surprised that you find yourself not just envious, but frustrated or annoying, or even not even quite believing it was as good as they said? That's how it seems to have been for Thomas, my twin, your twin, our twin. Nah, he says, I don't believe it. I can't believe it. I need some proof. And he has had to sit a whole long week with those feelings, just as we have done. He's still with his friends. They haven't set him loose and he hasn't given up on them. He still wants to be part of this little community that he knows and loves so well. And they still welcome him, even though he's grumpy and miffed and won't stop asking his questions. I think there is something in there of what we aspire to as a church community. We are accepted and welcomed, even if we're out of sorts, even if we moan and whinge, even if we can't or won't believe, and definitely with our questions. Thomas is lucky, or should I say blessed if I want to be a bit more holy, he has a direct encounter with the risen Jesus. He's even invited to touch him though we are not told whether or not he does. Did he? Didn't he? Don't know. But he does recognise Jesus. But it's not like that for us, is it? I mean, 2,000 years on, how many times has Jesus appeared in amongst a group of believers in that time, eaten fish and invited them to touch him? I think that probably the count is zero. Jesus said to Thomas, do you believe because you've had physical proof? Because there are greater blessings for those who believe without seeing me. But is that enough? Is it enough to believe without seeing? I guess it has to be. I mean, some of us may well have had a sense of a spiritual experience, some kind of encounter with Jesus. I know because some people have courageously shared with me that they have seen Jesus in their dreams. I know that some people have heard a voice that they believed to be that of Christ. But most people, and most likely, that's not the case. And so we have to live with the questions and the unknowing. And then there is a choice to make. Will I believe or try to believe, 
even when there is no forensic evidence. And all I have to go on is the stories of other people who do believe. Today, with our questions, doubts and uncertainties, we come to God asking for acceptance, just as we are. favourite breakfast is? Anybody got a favourite breakfast? A perfect breakfast. What would be your ideal? Full Scottish? Ulster Fry? Full English? Katrina? Ben makes excellent pancakes. Pancakes made by Ben. And what do you have with your pancakes? Usually lots of bacon. <laughs> bacon and pancakes. Maybe some maple syrup. Great. Fantastic. Anybody else? Your best best possible breakfast. Maybe it's porridge. Maybe it's kippers. Eggs royale. Eggs royale. What's an eggs royale, Lizzie? Poached eggs with salmon on top. Poached eggs with salmon on top. That sounds suitably amazing. One more person's favourite breakfast. Emma. Nutella waffles. Nutella waffles. That sounds good, yeah. If you like Nutella, so chocolatey, nutty, waffly. And who could you, would you have breakfast with? If you could have, you know, like fantasy dinner party? Well, this is fantasy breakfast. Who would you have that breakfast with, whatever it is, that favourite breakfast? If you could have one person, living or dead, real or fictitious, to have breakfast with, who would it be? Peter. Okay, so Paul would like some Peter. That's good. Hold that thought, because that will lead us where we're we going. Fantastic. <laughs> Anybody else that people would like to have breakfast with? No? Nobody's got somebody they particularly like to have breakfast with. Well, okay, St. Peter. So why St. Peter, Paul? Because he went through such a confusing experience and what to hear about that. Brilliant. Thank you. So 
Peter went through all sorts of highs and lows, and Paul would love to hear about that, which is a perfect segue into our next reading, which Wendy is going to bring us. Thank you, Wendy. John 21. Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Tiberius Sea, the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed Twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the brother Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. The rest of them replied, hmm, We're going with you. They went out and got the boat. They caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to them. Good morning. Did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, no. And he said, throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said. All of a sudden, there were so many fish in it, they weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the master. When Simon Peter realized that it was the master, he threw on some clothes, for he was stripped for work, and dove into the sea. The other disciples came in by boat, for they weren't far from land, a hundred yards or so, pulling along the net of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid, with fish and bread cooking on it. Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore. A hundred and fifty-three big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, Breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples dared ask, eh, Who are you? They knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. Thank you.
after a week or more since the last encounter of hiding away in Jerusalem, the community of disciples have gone up north to Galilee. And it seems like nothing much is happening. So eventually, Peter decides to go fishing. Back to his old life, to the things he did before all of this. So he and half a dozen others get into a boat and set off just as the sun is setting. And they spend a long, fruitless night on the lake. I wonder what they talked about, if they talked at all, or what thoughts ran through their minds as they sat there in the boat in the dark. Three years they'd been following him. Three years of an amazing adventure. Three days of the deepest misery and grief and fear. And now they couldn't even catch a few fish. Despondent, they began to head back to the shore as the first glimmer of light appeared on the horizon. They were cold, tired, hungry and fed up. So the last thing they needed was some clown standing on the shoreline asking how it had gone, let alone telling them to cast their nets one more time. But frankly, what was there left to lose? So they did. As they hauled in the net, almost breaking under the strain of 153 fish, who counted them? And why did they decide to write that number down? But whatever, as they drew in that net full of fish, they realised who it was. It wasn't a stranger after all, it was Jesus. Arriving at the shore, they can smell the wood smoke from the fire and they eagerly bite into warm bread and freshly cooked fish. Not quite eggs royale, but maybe not so far off. And it feels good to be together again to enjoy breakfast. Thomas is one of the men who's been out there all night on the lake. I wonder how he was feeling. What thoughts were going through his mind? And as he bit into his warm fish sandwich, did Jesus catch his eye? And if so, what did that look say? And Peter, the one who has experienced such highs and lows, the fisherman who is frustrated by failure on so many levels, exhausted physically and mentally, who's failed to recognise his own beloved rabbi until another disciple has done so. As he sat and dried off in the warmth of the morning, what was he thinking about? With our own inability sometimes to recognise those who love us or those we love, with our weariness, regret and frustration, we come to God asking for acceptance, just as we are. <laughs>
John chapter 21 verses 15 to 19. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said it a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know there's everything to know, so you've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now, when you were young you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished, but when you get old you have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, and then he commanded, Follow me. We like to think it was a warm morning, so let's go with that. The sun on his back felt good. His tummy is pleasantly full of food following a lovely picnic breakfast. He's enjoying the moment. Good friends, good conversation relaxing after another long sleepless night. And then Jesus says, can I have a word? Let's take a walk, just you and me. I wonder how that felt. Tradition has Peter overcome with regret and remorse and sees the threefold commission as a reinstatement following a threefold denial. Is that the only valid reading? What if I could have a one-to-one -one with Jesus? What if you could? An early morning stroll along the beach or somewhere else that is quiet and still, away from the hustle and bustle of daily routine. What might I want to say to him? Or to hear from him? I 
Peter's conversation with Jesus is tense and difficult and the answers he gives suggest his emotions are rising. This isn't a nice smooth evangelist giving an altar call. There's no golden ticket to paradise in exchange for a formulaic prayer. It's quite the opposite. Jesus tells Peter his future will be incredibly challenging, that he will find himself forced along paths he would never have chosen, that he will end his life utterly helpless and at the mercy of others. And then it's not a request. It's not even an invitation, it's just a statement, a command, if you will. Follow me. And this is where we will end our Easter journey this year, on a beach, in a one-to-one with Jesus, who will demand us to give him everything, and in return, promises us a challenging lifetime. So what will we do? Will we say, well, thanks, but no thanks? I mean, it's been good so far, but actually, nah. So right with you, I'll just go my own way. I'll go back to fishing or whatever it is I know. Or will we say, well, actually, do you know what, Jesus? This terrifies me. Scares me witless and rhyming words. I still have questions. I know I'm going to let you down. I know sometimes I will say the wrong thing, that I will get frustrated with your followers, and sometimes I will act in ways that are not honouring you, but okay, I'll go with you. I don't do altar calls. We don't do altar calls because actually altar calls don't seem to be there in the scriptures. Jesus ask questions with our doubts and our questions with our uncertainty and our own insecurity and with our hopes and dreams our longing our ideas for fulfillment we come to God asking for acceptance just as we are
for our prayers this morning, we go back to that miraculous catch of fish. 153 of them, apparently. I don't know what the significance of it is. People have spent centuries trying to work it out. If you are on site, you should find a fish shape on your chair and pencil. And you're invited over the next two or three minutes to write or draw or symbolise your prayer and then come and add it to the net at the front. If you are online, I have got the chat function enabled. Um, If you want to note in the chat, if you know how to do that, um, a person prayer or symbols or whatever you'd like us to include, if you put it in there, I will transcribe that onto a fish and add it to the net for you. And that will only be visible to me. It won't be visible on the screen because the tech desk looks after the the main screen. So I have a fish for BMS World Mission who ask us to remember their workers in Guinea. I have a fish for the Baptist Union of Scotland who ask us to remember Culloden, Cumbernauld, Cooper, Dalbiti and Dalkeith churches. And I have three fishes three fish we were discussing earlier what the plural of fish is uh, for our church so that's the tech team yang yang edith and tom bethany emma drew and killian jane s wendy steve c neil anita and bonnie dr beth mary roger and janet so a couple of minutes just to record our prayers if we so wish on a fish and bring it and place it in the net. Or if you're online, write it in the chat and I will transcribe it for you. God, who in Christ slips into the darkness of locked rooms to speak words of hope. God, who in Christ shows tired, demoralised followers where hope may be found. God, who in Christ walks with us along the complicated journey of life. Accept our prayers and help us to live the answers. For in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
May the triune God, creating, redeeming and sustaining all things, bless us with comfort, courage and companionship as we journey on in the footsteps of Christ. Amen. <laughs>